Uh, if you can open your Bibles back to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, it begins, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And from this passage this morning, I will preach from the title, Finding a Way Out. Finding a Way Out. You and I, um, in this life, are regularly challenged to find a way out of our circumstances. Uh, Maybe it's because you have made a mess of your own life in some way, and you need to find a way out of it. (laughs) You've made your bed, now you're sleeping in it, and you want to find a way out of it. Uh, But oftentimes, you and I simply find ourselves subject to circumstances of this life, circumstances that are not good, that are not healthy, family dynamics that we were born into, job situations that are hard, and we need to find a way out. Are you with me so far? Okay. Joseph finds himself in a situation, and he needs to find a way out. Uh, What is Joseph's situation? He is pledged to be married to Mary. Now, In these times and in this culture, the way that marriage worked was that two families kind of came together early on in the lives of their children, and they sort of made an informal agreement that that these two would one day get married. That was step one. Step number two, as these children entered their teenage years, they would kind of officially become engaged. And it's not the way we think about it today with these kind of elaborate things that you all have done to woo one another and getting on camera and video and these amazing things. It was, just, it was kind of like a, a, an agreement. It was the, the, now we are official. We were, you know, we were unofficial. This was the expectation. But step number two is now we're engaged. And the wedding didn't necessarily happen immediately or even a few months later. But, but now these two people were engaged. And in that time and in that place, the expectation was that they would kind of live as married people in certain kinds of ways. So that if one of the partners, if one of the uh, fiancés were to cheat on the other person, it would be treated as marital adultery and it would be cause for divorce. That was step number two. And then step number three would be the actual wedding, and then these two would be married. Joseph and Mary are in step number two. Okay, So they, were, they probably knew each other, and their families knew each other. They agreed that they were going to get married, and then they came to this point where now they were officially engaged. They weren't married yet, but they were pledged to be married. And all of a sudden, Mary is pregnant, about four months Uh, along. And Joseph needs to find a way out. This was not his plan. (laughs) This is not how it was supposed to be. Um, He had a hunch, probably, of what had happened, and now he needs to find a way out of these circumstances. He needs to get himself out of this situation. So what does Joseph do? We learn a couple of things about Joseph from our passage. We learn two important things. First, we learn that he's a righteous man. The passage tells us that he wants to keep the law. He wants to honor the Jewish law. Now, the expectation was that if you were in this stage of engagement and one of the spouses cheated on the other, that this, this required divorce, that, that, that you couldn't proceed, you couldn't keep moving forward towards marriage, that this required divorce. That was the expectation. Joseph is a law-keeping person, a good young Jewish man, and he wants to do the righteous thing that the law requires. That's the first thing we learn about Joseph. 
The second thing that we learn about Joseph, though, is that he cares deeply for Mary. This is not simply uh, only an arranged marriage. He has affection for her. He has feelings for her. He's willing to sacrifice for her. He doesn't want to put her out. He doesn't want her to have to bear this shame on her own. Joseph needs a way out. And with both of these two things in play, his solution is to divorce her quietly. It's actually a pretty good option. He could have divorced her publicly. Could have been a big ceremony. The whole town, the whole village, the whole region could have known about it. The consequences would have been very severe for Mary. But there was another option, and that was to have a a small, private, but still legal divorce ceremony with two to three witnesses. And this is what Joseph decided he was going to do. This would meet the requirements of keeping the law and keeping his righteousness. It would also kind of reflect his heart for Mary, to care for her, to try to do the best that he could for his former fiancé. He's looking for a way out, and he finds a relatively decent way out. He finds a good enough way out. And then he has a weird dream. The passage tells us that Joseph is asleep and that he has a vision. And an angel from the Lord comes and talks to Joseph. And everything changes. And all of a sudden, his good enough way out isn't good enough anymore. The angel tells Joseph, Mary didn't cheat on you. What? What is happening in her life is a part of God's plan. She has conceived by the Holy Spirit. Everything changes in this moment. He learns that the child who Mary carries is a miracle of God. He learns that he, Joseph, has been called by God to support and care for this child and his fiance. Everything changes. What had seemed like a good enough way out all of a sudden was no longer good enough. Of course, with this new information, he wasn't going to divorce Mary quietly. Of course, he would take Mary as his wife and this child as his own son. Why? Why would he do this? Because when God opens up our troubled eyes to his presence in our circumstances, we are able to see option where, options where formerly there were only dead ends. We are able to see open doors where there had formerly only been brick walls. We are able to see ways out of our trouble that are genuinely good rather than just the best bad choice. Amen? This is good. This is good news. This is what happens when God intervenes in our circumstances and our situations But there's a cost for Joseph. He does what the angel tells him to do. He sees another way forward. He sees another way out of his circumstances. And because he's obedient, because he follows the angel's commands, maybe we would think that the the way out that God provides will be the easiest, the most painless. But look at what happens to Joseph. After the vision, the passage tells us that he took Mary home to be his wife. 
she was pregnant. She was four months pregnant. People knew most likely that she was pregnant. And if they didn't, they would have done the math later on. So in the eyes of his community, his small, close-knit, relational community, in the eyes of those around him who knew him, who knew his story, who knew his hopes and his dreams, In their eyes, uh, Joseph is either a a lawbreaker for not divorcing his adulterous fiancée, or Joseph himself is the father of Mary's out-of-wedlock child. Those are the options. Either way, Joseph's reputation has been shot. He has brought shame onto himself and onto his family. This is how he will be defined for the rest of his life. In the eyes of his family and his neighbors, this is who Joseph is. Anybody know how that family dynamic works? And then, one chapter later in the Gospel of Matthew, after Jesus is born, Joseph is forced to leave his country behind. King Herod, the tyrant who had been set up by Rome to kind of oversee Israel, to rule with an iron fist. He had learned, he had heard that a a potential threat to his kingdom had been born in Bethlehem. And so he sends his military might to Bethlehem to find this prince, this infant prince, and to put him to death. Joseph is forced to leave everything behind. Once again, an angel comes to him and gives him a heads up, and they flee their land, a vulnerable family now living as refugees in Egypt. Joseph goes from being a laborer in a small, quiet town, living a relatively small and quiet life, minding his own business, trying to live a life that would please God, He goes from this to being a man on the run, pursued by the most powerful, violent tyrant in the region, living as refugees in another country. God will always provide a way out of our trouble. And his way will always be better than our good enough way out. God will always open our eyes to miraculous possibilities beyond our imaginations. But we must not confuse God's way for the easy way. God's way for the painless way. God's way for the cheap way out. In a world that shames young single mothers, God's way out will at times seem shameful. In a world that fosters violence and upheaval in one nation and then slams shut the doors to refugees in other nations, God's way out will at times seem impossible. Expect it. Expect that if God is intervening in your situation to provide a way out, that it will not always feel easy. That it will not be painless. That you will be tempted to turn around and to pick up your good enough way that you'd come up with on your own. 
What keeps Joseph and Mary faithful to God's way out of trouble? Why, given the the shame and the violence that had come their way, why did they not settle for a, a way out of their own making? What kept them faithful? The angel comes to Joseph. And he says, you're going to have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. Jesus was a common name with an uncommon meaning. Jesus or Joshua meant God saves. And then Matthew adds an editorial detail to the passage. He says in verse 22, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, do you remember? Emmanuel, which means God with us. God saves, God with us. These are the child's names. Mary and Joseph were the first people to experience the shock of God's chosen means to rescue the world. Through the birth of their son, they discovered that God's plan, a plan that the prophets had been pointing to for centuries, a plan so unexpected that no one was looking for it, they discovered that God's plan was for God to save his people by coming to be with his people. God saves. God with us. This is Jesus. This is God's surprising salvation. And it's when we believe this, It's when we believe that God came to be with us. And if I can pause for a second, it's when we can believe that God came to be with us, next to us, in our space, in our lives, with all that it means. Not theoretically. Not spiritually. But that God in his son, Jesus, came to be with us. Seeing, touching, smelling, knowing your story, your fears, your anxieties, your hopes, that God is Emmanuel with you. Not just an idea, but a presence. This is how God chooses to save the world. That God has come to be with us, to live with us, to suffer with us, to die for us. When we see this, when we believe this, that this is God's way out. Despite all that it cost him, we begin to see his way of salvation. Think about this. Jesus' story could have ended with the shame of Bethlehem. Jesus' story could have ended, should have ended with the terror of Egypt. His story did not end there, and his story did not even end with the suffering and abandonment 
on the Roman cross. Through all of this, God's way out was being accomplished. His way out of sin. His way out of our rebellion. His way out of injustice. His way out of evil and death itself. God's way out was accomplished through Jesus. And Joseph had just enough faith to see it on that night in Bethlehem. Just enough faith to wake up and say, I'm going to take Mary to be my wife. Just enough faith to say, I'm going to leave for Egypt, trusting that God will keep us. How much faith is required for us to believe that God's way out is always better than ours? Jesus says it's a mustard seed. It's not a lot. There are competing affections in our lives. There are competing desires. There are temptations to place our faith elsewhere. There are always the tendencies to go back to our plan A for our way out. And Jesus says, you take whatever tiny bit of faith you can muster and you place it in me and my way out. And it'll be enough. Why? Because Joseph found that the shame of his village could not claim him. Joseph found that being a refugee in a foreign country where he didn't know anybody, where he didn't know how he was going to make his money, where he didn't know the language, where he didn't know the future, where this was not enough to kill him. This is what happens when we place whatever tiny bit of faith we have into Jesus and his way out of our deadly circumstances even though it feels painful, even though it feels like following Jesus in that way brings us right up to the brink of our own destruction, we always find his salvation. Amen? We always find his salvation. Why? Because he's Emmanuel. He's with us. He's not sending you on your own. He is leading you into that place. Joseph had just enough faith to set aside his good enough way out of trouble and to choose God's way out. May we do the same. Amen? We have schemed our way out of our trouble. We have planned our way out of our trouble. I know some of y'all, you have strategized your way out of your trouble, out of sin, out of pain, out of debt, out of relational dysfunction, and on and on. It's time that we follow Joseph's example. Set down your good enough plans. Ask the God who saves, the God who is with you, to open your eyes to his way out. He is with you. And his way out always leads to salvation. Let's pray. Give us whatever little bit of faith we need today, Lord Jesus, to believe that whatever we face, whatever seems to entangle us, whatever fear seems to lurk over us, whatever uncertainty seems to be shadowing us these days, 
that in all of these situations, Lord, you will provide a way out. A way out that will always be better than we could expect. A way out that is patterned after our, our, our Savior, who though he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, his life was spared for us and for our salvation. So I pray today for any of us who have constructed elaborate plans to get our own way out of a circumstance, out of a situation, of a relationship, I pray that you would show us the futility of our own strength, our own intellect, when compared to the way out that you have provided for us in Jesus, our Savior who has come to be with us. Give us hope. Give us courage. Give us faith to place whatever we have in you. And then please act miraculously on our behalf today to show us your way. We tell you now that we will, we will, we will, we will, we will follow you in your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward here, receive our offering in just a minute. Stick around after the service, please. We're going to worship a little bit more, right? We're going to worship a little bit more before that. Don't worry, Marquita, I didn't forget. I have just a couple more announcements for you. I mentioned the clothing drive already. I'm not sure that we've told you all this yet, but between the T-shirt sales and the uh, benevolence fund that you all give very generously to, we have, and then one other uh, a generous donation from someone in our church, we've been able to set aside enough money for the headstone for Taiwan Poindexter. Uh, so that's amazing. That's a gift. Thank you for that. <laughs> Pastor Michelle is working on those details. If you don't know, Taiwan was a young man in our neighborhood just standing at the wrong place at the wrong time and lost his life to gun violence. Uh, and his family's not been able to, to get a, a headstone for him just yet. So Pastor Michelle is working with the family. Uh, they've chosen out kind of the design that they want, and we'll be working to, uh, to have that placed uh, hopefully early, uh, early next year. But we'll keep you in the loop for that. But thank you so much for, for helping with that. That's a, a very tangible expression um, of, of your love for this family. So thank you for that. And then the last thing I wanted to say is today is the last Sunday to give uh, here in church to our uh, year-end giving challenge towards our back-to-school fair next year. You can give online up to the very end of the year, but thank you for your generosity to that. Um, We're excited about those plans uh, next year. So uh, before we give, let's just take a minute to prepare our hearts for this act of worship. As we come to the end of this year, we say thank you, God, for meeting every one of our needs. And if I could be so bold, would you... Please teach us and show us how to continue to be dependent on you. Help us to not get uh, complacent. Help us to not assume that it is our planning or our generosity that meets uh, the needs that we encounter. Uh, In whatever form you need to do it, Lord, continue to teach us to be completely and utterly dependent on you. So thank you for those who can give today and for those who are not in a position to bless them protect them and meet every single one of their needs, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, worship team, go ahead and come on back, uh, come on up, and we can receive the offering now. 
Uh, if you'd like prayer after the service, just uh, grab myself or grab Dennis. Um, I, I mentioned it before. I realized that the Christmas season can be a strange one for some of us. I also realize that some of you feel like the circumstances you're in are so deep and so complicated that it's hard to even imagine what God's way out of those might be. Um, you shouldn't face that by yourself. So let us stand with you and pray with you and seek God with you. Amen? So the team earlier led us in that uh, old hymn, O Come All You Faithful. The third verse says, Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. And then these last two lines. Son of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Please don't take that for granted. Please don't take it for granted that the God of the universe chose to inhabit our flesh to be with you for your salvation. He will always provide a way out of whatever you are facing. Amen? Amen. That's such good news. Receive the benediction. Incarnate Son of God, Emmanuel, Jesus, God who saves, God who is with us, we welcome you into our lives, into our homes, into our families, into our neighborhoods, into the city. We welcome you, King Jesus. We ask that you would rule and reign in justice and in grace. Send us as those who have just enough faith to believe that your way is always the best way, that your way is always the way that leads to our salvation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to say Merry Christmas next Sunday. So be with us then, please. And uh, for now, greet each other. And I think there's some delicious things for us to eat and drink. Go in peace.